Welcome to the Takeaway Podcast, where we cover the NBA and NFL every single Wednesday, bringing you the most up-to-date news across both leagues for both sports nerds and newcomers alike. I am your host, Jihan Lee, and today we will be covering the Tomavailoa controversy, Jalen Hurts stepping into stardom, the Trey Lance injury alongside the Justin Herbert injury, and the Colts disaster. So, before we start, I want to be talking about the game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Going in initially, I believe that my pick was the Baltimore Ravens to win this game, just because they're a more proven team. You have Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews at defense uh, with the secondary that is, uh, is with proven players. You have Chuck Clark, you know, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. You have a team that has been to the playoffs has have a proven quarterback in Lamar Jackson and I guess they have had more time together as a team compared to the Miami Dolphins who you're bringing in you know Tyree Kill bringing in a new uh, a brand new head coach and I just saw the Baltimore Ravens just being the better team overall but if we break down this game, uh, but specifically to Watanga Valoa, he went 36 of 50, which is a 72% completion rate, threw for 469 yards with six touchdowns to two interceptions with an 124.1 QBR. And what's the biggest thing is they had 28 points in the final quarter of this game, winning 42 to 38. Uh, I guess the biggest thing, uh, the reason why I say controversy for Tua is you have two people now after this game has come out. On one hand, people are saying that, you know, all those doubters for Tua over his past, you know, couple of seasons, this is what we were looking for. This is the star that we saw, and this is his statement game. You know, to really come out and be a, a pro bowler, a, a star in this league. And the other hand is, people are saying that, like, this is a fluke game. That, you know, he it's not him. It's his receivers. He, you know, any quarterback could have made those throws. They were way too open. And stuff, and arguments like that. Where I stand in this conversation is somewhere towards the middle, but more leaning on the side that Tua is a good quarterback. Now, Going into the season, uh, you know, across many platforms, uh, if you were to rank the quarterbacks in the AFC, uh, the top tier and the mid tier, the low tier were pretty much agreed upon on where each quarterback was ranked. Obviously, there was some fluctuations in where certain quarterbacks would rank, especially with Russell Wilson missing a lot of last season. But for the most part, the consensus was that like these quarterbacks were top tier, these quarterbacks were mid tier, and these quarterbacks were in the bottom tier. Tua, on the other hand, you had was probably the quarterback that had the biggest discrepancy on where he was placed on that ranking. Some people had him in the complete bottom, some people had him in the middle, and I don't think anyone had him in that top echelon with like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and those cats. The reason why I brought I bring this up is 
after you see this week two game, where does that ranking change? I believe for everyone, Tua has gone up that list, whether it's from the bottom tier up to the mid tier or from the mid tier to the top tier, whatever the case may be, you have moved Tua up that list. The thing that I would have to say is we don't want to overreact to one game. It's only been week two. We've only seen two games from Tua and this offense together. And it's really, really hard to say confidently whether not even just the quarterback position, but any player, if we just watch one game or two games that we can definitively say this guy is a star or this guy is not. And as fans, we have to not overact these games. However, a lot of you know major media will overreact to these kind of things. Tua is the next big star. Tua is the next Tom Brady. Whatever the case may be, people will overreact because that warrants clicks, that warrants attention, that warrants views. However, we need to come back to reality and see that Tua is not in that top echelon of players. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, if you want to throw in Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson to that conversation as well, I'm totally agreeing with you in that sense. However, Tua is not with that top tier. And the reason I say that is Tua has now is now in a position where the Miami Dolphins organization has invested the entire team, the entire offense around building around Tua. They have pushed their chips towards the middle and are building this team around their young quarterback. And he has weapons. He has receivers, tight ends, running backs around him that can make plays on their own so that he does not have to bear that load entirely by himself. Now, what does that mean? These receivers will get open. These tight ends will get open. These running backs will break holes for big, you know, big runs. And that'll take away from Tua in a lot of people's view because they're making the plays. They're making the carries. They're getting the touchdowns. They're getting open. But Tua is still making those throws. He is still able to, you know, be at a caliber where he is still able to execute the game plan. And that is still something that needs to be commended. What we need to point out, especially for this game, is the amazing games from not only Tyree Kill, but Jalen Waddle as well. Both coming in this coming out of this game with 11 receptions each. Tyreek Hill with 190 yards and two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle finishing the game with 171 yards with two touchdowns as well, including the game-winning touchdown. The thing is, is that you have two dynamic receivers in Hill and Waddle who can beat anybody with speed, but not only that, but can run after the catch and gain 10, 15, 20 yards afterwards. And so... Yes, Tua is throwing amazing balls, as we saw with uh, Gesicki in the back of the end zone, with Waddle in the game-winning touchdown, but these receivers are getting open so that Tua has an easier time making those throws. That doesn't take away from the talent that Tua has, but it also you have to give credit to the receivers that are there. Now, what does that mean? Now, we can't say, a lot of people argue that, that means that Tua is not a great quarterback. 
he may not be a Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, whatever it may be, but he is still a good quarterback that is running this offense efficiently and like well-oiled machine. One thing that I do want to say before uh, I go ahead and make my, I guess, conclusion on Tua is I want to break down uh, the, I guess, the big touchdowns that we saw that really brought this Miami team back into the game. And the first one I want to talk about is the Tyreek Hill, his first touchdown. Now, he was against uh, the corner, and it was a blown coverage, not with the corner, but with a safety that was, should have been helping. And that safety was Kyle Hamilton. And if you see the full uh, play on the 22 uh, view, you'll see that Kyle Hamilton immediately turns inside and looks at the other receivers. And so then Tyreek Hill has one-on-one -on -one with the corner. And by the time that Tyreek Hill is even, he's already gone with the speed and two is able to throw that right into Tyreek Hill's hand. A lot of people may argue that that ball is short or whatever they may be, but they still got the touchdown and we can't dispute that. We can argue as much as we want that that ball was short, it should have been intercepted or it should have been deflected, whatever the case may be, but the result is that they got a touchdown out of that play. Now, a couple of plays later, we have Hill on the left side and he is one-on-one -on -one again, no safety help again. Now, it wasn't a blown coverage, but it was just there was no safety over Hill to help the corner in that one-on-one -on -one situation, and that was just easy pickings for Tyreek Hill. He's just able to run past with his speed, and it's just another easy touchdown for the Dolphins. Now, another one that I want to point out before we make my or before I make my final conclusion is the game-winning touchdown to Jalen Waddle. That was an amazing jump ball throw from Tua, able to feel the pressure in the pocket, seeing where he can throw to where only Waddle can get it, and he's able to throw that up right in that specific point where Jalen Waddle is able to jump up, catch it, and come down with the ball. It was a, a, a perfect throw. For that situation, they're able to come out with a win, a huge win for them. And it really is a testament to uh, Coach McDaniels and his play calling and the way that he's able to run this offense. And they are able to come away going into week three with a ton of confidence, seeing that they are able to execute their offense efficiently. And hopefully we can see them execute the offense throughout four quarters instead of just the final fourth. Uh, they're able. I think they should be able to be more confident in taking those longer shots with Hill, with Waddle, with Tua throwing the ball. I think we will be able to see that in Week 3, which is where I want to make my conclusion. In Week 3, they're going to be playing the Buffalo Bills, who in my opinion are going to be the Super Bowl champs this season. The reason why I think this game is so important is in Week 2, Tua has come out with a statement game. I don't think anyone can dispute that. But I think that when we're going into this week three game, at least from my perspective, we need to see more from Tua. Not in production, but consistency. We need to see, I want to see him produce throughout an entire season before I make my decision on where I want to place him 
in that ranking of quarterbacks. I don't want to just use one game or two games or three games, or whatever that sample size may be. But I think a full season is enough for us to say this is a good enough sample size and we're able to make our decision on where we want to place Tua. Now, what am I looking for in this week three game? I Obviously, if they can win the game, that would be amazing. But the biggest thing that I want to look for is just a great performance out of Tua. I don't want him, I'm not looking for 500 yards with seven touchdowns to up his game, uh, you know, to better, you know, to one-up one his game in week two. But I just wanted him to be able to run this offense efficiently, have the game be close with Buffalo, because it'll have not only him, but the team to be more confident going forward that we were able to compete with a Super Bowl team. You know, not that, you know, in my opinion, at least, that they'll be Super Bowl winners, but that they're in that conversation to make the playoffs to be competitive in this AFC. And I really just want to see Tua be more confident, more comfortable in this offense, and able to execute throughout week three. Uh, I just want to, I guess, really see him uh, take on the challenge of going up against this Buffalo defense and just show his talent, his his IQ, his, his arm through that week three game and just show that he is ready for this. He is ready. He has been ready and he is ready to take on uh, the stage and the responsibility of being a star quarterback in this league. And, uh, I mean, hopefully we can see, you know, a win from him or just a great game from him. But I think it's going to be uh, uh, a shootout between Josh Allen and Tua. And hopefully we'll be able to see a great defensive play and offensive play on both sides of the ball. Now we're going to be moving on to talking about a, another Alabama quarterback, and that is none other than Jalen Hurts. Now, they are coming off their second win of the season and week two as well. They were able to beat the Minnesota Vikings 24-7. to Now, Jalen Hurts is coming out of this performance with 26 of 31 uh, passing uh, with an 83.87% completion rate, throwing for 333 yards with one passing touchdown, two on the ground, one interception and one fumble with a QBR of 108.7. Now, this Vikings team, who I think many people after watching week one are putting them in that playoff conversation, I think a lot of people will say that this is a huge statement win or statement game from Jalen Hurts. Uh, however, Although it may be a good game, which I will not dispute, I don't know if I can go as far as saying that it is a statement game. Um, Jalen Hurts looked amazing in that first half, where he was able to run that offense efficiently and they were able to get downfield and score points. But if we saw later in the you know later on in the game, they weren't able to score at all against this defense, which is why I want to come away with this game and saying. It's not a statement game, at least from for Jalen Hurts. Uh, however, I gotta say that this is a a great confidence, uh, you know, win for this team, and I think they can. If if Dak Prescott is 
going to be out for six to eight weeks. I think that the Eagles will come away with this division relatively easily. Now, uh, this offense looks really great alongside Dallas Goddard, who came away with the game with five receptions for 82 yards. Devonta Smith with seven receptions, 80 yards. And A.J. Brown with five receptions, 69 yards. Where the ball was able to be distributed. Oh my goodness. The ball was able to be distributed uh, to a variety of receivers. Um, I think that, at least in my opinion, for Jalen Hurts, he started off the game really, really strong. But going into you know, later on into the game, uh, it looked like he was struggling a bit, at least trying to figure out exactly how to get that same production as he did early on in the game. Now, that is a testament to the defensive coordinator, coordinator on the Vikings and able to make those adjustments. But it also shows, uh, you know, the offensive coordinator, at least on the Philadelphia Eagles side, where they weren't able to uh, counter-adapt and uh, make more plays down the stretch. However, I do think that this Philadelphia Eagles defense, this game is a statement game for them. Were they able to hold Minnesota Vikings to seven points? I mean, we saw Justin Jefferson tear it up in week one. And to able to hold him to one reception for seven yards is amazing. And that is a huge shout out to Darius Slay, who could have come away with a lot more interceptions than he ended up with. But just this defense looks really, really strong. And this Eagles team is kind of playing like a very old school kind of game where it's very defensive, at least for, uh, you know, at least on the defensive side of the ball, where they're able, they have a very strong, stout uh, defensive unit alongside a ground game that will chew down that clock. And they're able to have short passes with A.G. Brown. And you have a deep threat in Devontae Smith and a great tight end in Goddard and a running quarterback in Jalen Hurts, where they're able to have options on the ground as well. I just think that Jalen Hurts really needs to, before we can throw him up uh, in that conversation of a franchise quarterback, which I think is still in the air for the Eagles, is he really needs to come out with a statement game where we see him from start to finish really make an impact on the game offensively, where he is able to, we're able to look at him and say, that is what I want for my franchise quarterback. Even if it's just a glimpse, even if it's just a moment, really just have that kind of game for the Eagles from start to finish, I think would be huge for not only his confidence, but for the confidence of the organization as well. Uh, we're going to be finally moving on to, uh, I guess, a very sad topic. And uh, that is the injuries that have come out throughout week two but uh we're gonna be talking about in my opinion probably the two biggest uh injuries and that is going to be affecting the first quarterback on our discussion and that is the 49ers quarterback trey lance now currently he is seen as having a broken ankle which the average recovery time is around six weeks at least but most likely uh, this broken ankle will be the end of Trey Lance's season. I don't expect him to be coming out back before week eight. Uh, and if he does, seeing that he is a running quarterback, uh, I don't know how much that ankle should be used. 
Uh, and I think the 49ers will come away very cautious and throwing him, throwing him in to the mix too early. So uh, I don't see him playing uh, throughout the rest of this season. I hope that you, you know, my prayers are up for uh, Trey Lance. I hope you have a speedy recovery. But the biggest discussion that comes away from this game um, is the quarterback situation for the 49ers. Trey Lance is now going to be out for the very least six games, potentially more, which means that Jimmy Garoppolo, who has been on your bench thus far, is now coming back into the starting role. Now, what does this mean? Uh, I broke this down into the short-term effects and the long-term effects of this Trey Lance injury. In the short term, now we're switching quarterbacks from Trey Lance to Jimmy Garoppolo. I do believe that the 49ers now with Garoppolo are Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. I don't think that with Trey Lance, at least, that they were going to be Super Bowl contenders. This was Trey Lance's first opportunity being the starting quarterback for an entire season. With that broken ankle, Jimmy Garoppolo, who has coming off a NFC championship game appearance and a Super Bowl appearance, has not only the experience, but has this the faith from the locker room and the coaching staff and the organization to make another deep playoff run. So I think in the short term, this is a huge positive for them. In the long term, I do think that this does affect the 49ers' future. When they traded up for Trey Lance, they did give up three first-round picks alongside some more assets. But giving up those three first-round picks in exchange for Trey Lance, and now that he is not able to play another season because of an injury, means that you don't know what Trey Lance is and his production on the turf. Which means that when you give up those three first-round picks, you're expecting to be competitive in the future, and you're bargaining your future to be competitive now. Now, when you traded up for Trey Lance, not only were you bargaining to be competitive now, but with a star quarterback in Lance, you're looking to be competitive in the future as well. However, if Lance is not playing on the field and as a coaching staff and as an organization, you're not able to see what Lance is bringing you and what his production may be and what his projection in the future may be, being confident in re-signing him and to whatever that deal may be is going to be a lot harder to do in addition to that you as an organization traded up for lance so that you can have a star quarterback on a rookie contract now that you're missing not only the first and the second year off due to not playing you're the the cap hit that you could have taken advantage of because of that rookie scale contract is going to be a lot harder to use now that Lance is not playing the rest of this season potentially. So I do believe in the long term that this is going to affect the 49ers organization. I don't see Garoppolo being the future quarterback for the Niners in two, three, five years, whatever the case may be. And Lance is going to have to show something in the next one to two seasons so, you know, before the 49ers can make an official decision on where they want to 
continue with Lance or find another quarterback. However, I think as a 49ers fan, you should be happy now, at least in the moment where you can worry about the Trey Lance, you know, uh, discussion and whatever his role may be in the future. But I think this injury is a blessing in disguise for 49ers organization. We were able to freely, without you know any discussion, any backlash, of bringing Garoppolo back into the starting quarterback position, and hopefully you'll see how deep you can go with Jimmy. If it if they do go you know deeper into the playoffs, it does beg the question on next season whether you want to bring Trey Lance back into the quarter, the starting quarterback position or not. However, I do think that this brings you back into contention. And after seeing what the Rams did in week one and alongside with the 49ers kind of having the Rams number, the 49ers are in that upper echelon of Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. Uh, I do think that uh, Jimmy will do great and be a great quarterback for this team. But I think when it comes to the playoffs is where Jimmy is going to have to uh, really uh, focus in on his passing ability and running this offense where they're able to execute in the postseason. Speaking of postseason, we're going to be talking about another quarterback that unfortunately has been injured as well. And it's part of a team that I think many were thinking of seeing this team go deep into the playoffs and that is none other than the Los Angeles Chargers starting quarterback, Justin Herbert. Now, in the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, on a big hit uh, as he was throwing the ball, uh, it is reported that he is coming away with a fracture to his rib cartilage. Now, uh, I or oh, the average recovery time for this as well is around five to six weeks, depending on you know, how fast that recovery time may be. Uh, and if it is to that extent, that is a lot of games that Herbert is going to be missing. Now, let's see, in the immediate future, let's look at what the schedule for the Chargers are going to be. They have the Jags, they have the Texans, and the Browns as their next three games. And those are definitely winnable games without Herbert. However, I think it is going to be a lot harder with Keenan Allen having a hamstring injury. And currently, at least, at least what's been reported, he is still uh, signed and reported as questionable for future gains uh, as of you know September 21st. So it's going to be a lot harder for this offense to run as efficiently as it did before you're bringing in obviously your backup quarterback. Um, but hopefully we can see more uh, carries from Austin Eckler. Hopefully Eckler is able to uh, carry a bigger load offensively. And then for Mike Williams, or if Ken Allen does come back for those receivers alongside their tight end with, with uh, Gerald Everett, they're able to make plays uh, to give their backup quarterback you know, a little bit easier of a time throwing the ball. Um, does this mean that the that the Chargers are out of Super Bowl contention? I don't think so. 
they're very, very early on in the season. And out of those three games, at least in the next three weeks, you should look to get away with at least two, maybe three, all three of them being wins. Um, but I wouldn't put too much worry into uh, the playoff concern, at least as of now. Um, hopefully we'll be able to see a uh, more detailed report on how long that recovery time may be for uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, just like Trey Lance, I really do hope that Justin Herbert will have a speedy recovery. Uh, the biggest thing that sucks about sports, and I know that it's a part of the game, but is the injuries that do come with playing a sport. And it's just unfortunate to not be able to see the talent on the field, on the pitch. Are we able to see them you know, make plays, score, and just be an all-around amazing athlete for the NFL? Now, our final discussion is going to be uh, the Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars game of Week 2. And the reason why I do, you know, I wanted to discuss this game specifically is the Jaguars come away with a 24-0 win. Uh, I don't know about other people, but at least when I did my ranking, you know, before the season... I had the Indianapolis Colts making the playoffs. But seeing as they tie to the Houston Texans and then get shut out against the Jacksonville Jaguars, it does, I do come away from this game with a bit of a concern. Now, I do understand that the Houston game, they were a field goal away that could have been made from Rodrigo Blankenship and they would be 1-1 at this point. But... I think the the biggest concern for me is the fact that you are getting shut out by a Jacksonville Jaguars team, which I don't think outside of Jacksonville people thought that they were going to be a playoff team. I don't know if people in Jacksonville thought that they were going to be a playoff team or think that they're going to be a playoff team. So for a majority of people watching the NFL, Indianapolis Colts, who in my opinion are going to be a playoff team, are completely shut out by a non-playoff team. Now, I've done a little bit of research, and I was very curious on what the problem could possibly be for this team. Now, there could be, you know, I mean, there probably most likely are a lot of problems on this Indianapolis Colts roster, but let's start with the starting quarterback in Matt Ryan. Now, in this game, he went 16 of 30 for 195 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and one fumble, ending the game with 34 QBR. Now, with Matt Ryan, if you watch the game, he looked really, really uncomfortable in the pocket. A lot of pressure was coming off of both edges with Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, and even up the middle. And it was just hard for him to have enough time to throw to his receivers, to his tight ends, to his running backs. And it was just He just looked that he was just uncomfortable. Uh, it, there wasn't enough oomph on the ball when it was throwing, when he was throwing deep. Um, it just looked that he was uh, not in his comfort zone 
uh, when he was sitting in the pocket. Another player that I thought was going to do a lot better in this game was Jonathan Taylor, where he was only able to come around, come out of this game with nine carries for 54 yards. Nine carries is not a lot for uh, the rushing leader of last season. And in game one, or at least in week one, he did amazing. And for him to come away with only not even double-digit carries, um, it just goes to show the tentativeness for them to go and just have Taylor run the ball. Now, I, I, I mean, they were, they did fall behind relatively early on in the game. So they were, I guess you could say, forced to throw the ball. But I think if you have a talent like Jonathan Taylor at the running back position, you have to put the ball in his hands and allow him to make plays. Now, if it doesn't work out, well, then as a coaching staff, you did your job. You're putting the ball in your best player's hand. But for you to take that away and not give him the opportunity to go out and execute and make plays on the field, I think is a, I, I, I mean, that was just a misstep by Frank Wright and the Indianapolis Colts coaching staff. Now, in my personal opinion, I think that this is the biggest problem right here that we're going to be talking about. And that is that the Indianapolis Colts allowed five sacks. Now, that isn't a ton. It isn't like double-digit sacks in one game. But I think it does shine a light on an underlooked problem for the Colts, at least for me initially. And that is the offensive line's problems. Not that they have bad players. Obviously, they have Quentin Nelson. They have Ryan Kelly. They have good players on that offensive line. However, I say offensive line problems in the sense that they are not playing to the expectations that are set for them. Quentin Nelson is seen as one of the best guards and one of the best offensive linemen in the league. And Ryan Kelly... Uh, the same way but for them to struggle against a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, defensive unit which are, are very talented but for them to struggle this bad where you have Josh Allen just running in uh, untouched with the you know two you know, I think it was two maybe three times where People were able to just run up straight up down the middle off of a stunt and just straight to Matt Ryan. Um, I think it just shows that there are cracks that are forming in this offensive line and that need to be shored up throughout this season where they were able, where they need to uh, communicate. They need to be able to execute in a way that they're able to assist Matt Ryan and having him, you know, buy him more time to throw the ball. Uh, I think that the offensive line is a problem that we aren't really discussing a ton, and I think needs to be talked about a little bit more than how it is right now. Um, obviously, you know the the tools that are at Matt Ryan's disposable. They obviously, you know, they could have, you know, as a receiver, as a tight end, as a running back, you could have done more to get you know open. But I think the offensive line uh, should have been able to buy a little bit more time, and not to have just free runners. Uh, that you could have had the opportunity to at least put a hand on them, um, to at least buy Ryan, Matt Ryan 
maybe like half a second of time for him to throw the ball uh, and be a little bit more comfortable in that pocket. Now, with this discussion, I really, really am looking forward to the Colts being able to bounce back in week three alongside the rest of these you know, teams that we have been able to discuss in this episode. Um, I really, really am looking forward to this NFL season. We've had a crazy first two weeks, and I hope that you guys as well at home are enjoying the NFL season thus far. Um, at least right now, because the NFL season is in full swing, the, the next few episodes are going to be focused on the NFL primarily. But if we do have some big news coming out of the NBA, we will discuss those as well. So any basketball listeners, don't leave now, but just wait until we get some more news and we will be discussing some more NBA topics as well. I hope that you have enjoyed this third episode of the Takeaway Podcast. You guys can actually find us on YouTube as well as Google Podcasts now. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of the day. Stay positive, stay motivated. Have a nice day. Peace out.